during yesterday's eclipse, many people were surprised that President Trump stared directly into the sun without wearing protective glasses. Personally, what I found shocking is that the eclipse had to put on an enormous pair of sunglasses before looking down on the White House. And German police have seized thousands of tablets of the party drug ecstasy in the shape of Donald Trump's head, a hall with an estimated street value of more than $45,000. Upon hearing of the news, First Lady Melania Trump said that she was relieved that at least there is someone who can experience ecstasy from that face. The Trump Report starts now! You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin! Ah, uh, that's right. You might think I'm playing this because of the eclipse, but no. Right now, Steve Bannon is singing this to President Trump. <laughs> it is a total eclipse of President Trump's heart, but also a total eclipse of that area in the middle of his chest where Steve Bannon's heart would be if he indeed had one. Welcome to the Trump Report. I'm Christian Butt on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. Don't forget to follow the show at Trump Report ABTV. Joined on my left for those uh, watching on YouTube, actually, you're right. Drexel Hurd, at Drexel Hurd, thank you for uh, joining us yet again. Political culture, it's only two weeks away now, right? It's only two weeks you away. You should probably start planning for it at some point. Uh, you know, it's it's <laughs> going to take me a minute. We've Just got, a, got some new changes coming. so Including those good. changes, uh, the old... Uh, old? I didn't mean that. Our old friend Chelsea Galicia at Chelsea Galicia will also be pulling double duty on political culture. And at the other end of the desk, back from uh, where did you go? You didn't go to Alaska this time, right? No, Cuba. Cuba. Oh, same yes. difference, really. Yeah, Scott Moore at S Man Eighty. And uh, I, why did I think you were in New England yesterday? Oh, I was yesterday. Oh, I can't. That keep was after Cuba. I, well, you know, that's the perfect chaser. Not vacation, I wish. Uh, anyway, well, we did start uh, referencing the eclipse, and uh, you know what? It looked like everybody had fun staring up at the sky in ridiculous-looking glasses. But sorry, I was a little too busy busting my hump to try and support my family. But you know what? Glad you all had fun. That was actually my question about this. And yeah, we're going to talk about Trump stuff. How did everybody have so much time to stand around and go outside and look up at the sky? But the sun's always up there. It looked a little different, but it's not really that exciting. Drexel, you had an observation about... What the crowds look like? Well, I said, you know, white people love looking. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what you said, but you know what? It, you know what's it. true? Here's what's true: white people always looking for an excuse to not work, <laughs> and I can say that because I am a white person. Uh, although my other observation was this: is that, and I posted it on Facebook yesterday and some social media. I said I was having a conversation with a friend of mine where I was like, everybody got the glasses from Seven Eleven. And I'm like, we don't even eat the hot dogs from 7-Eleven. Right. So what makes people think they were going to get like non-blinding right. glasses? They were going to be good. Yeah, right. from but also, faith in America. Also, right. Pizza Hut was having boxes that they said you could fold and like, turn into. Like, they can't even make pizza. How are they going to be able to make glasses? Uh, Shareable Texas in the chat. Very confused, very upset. Our friend Brooks Elise was going to be yes. with us tonight. We were going to have a fivesome. Oh, However, uh, there was a babysitting uh, snafu, and she had to stay with her lovely daughter, Izzy. But uh, Brooks also going to be a part of political culture to some she, extent, she right? She will be yeah. um, doing our, our headlines. So there's nice. going to be nobody left, basically. Yeah. It's going to be <laughs> just... just you too. Yeah, who are the two guys that they <laughs> don't want to be involved in exactly. political culture? Exactly. It's quite clear. <laughs> That's all right. That anyway, doesn't mean we won't be pulling Scott and you guys in at some point. Talking about people that aren't wanted, Steve Bannon. 
Now, once again, the, something happens like this, and we're not surprised that it happened. More about when it happened and how long it took to happen. It seemed to me, before you sort of got some more specific news, that General Kelly came in, he cleaned a little bit more house. Although I was also holding out on the theory that, you know, having allegations of mishandling race-related issues, maybe Bannon's a guy to, you know, kind of hit the bricks. Or did Bannon think that he was only really there to start the race war and he felt like he had done a good enough job so he would just go back to reporting it? But in all honesty, uh, yes, uh, 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 General Kelly told Bannon in late July he was going to go. They were going to do a smooth transition. And then after Charlottesville... Steve Bannon did not feel like President Trump was appropriately handling the issue. You feel like that might be the, not the second reaction, but the third reaction that President Trump gave. That felt like the Steve Bannon reaction. So probably after that, uh, it, was, uh, it was all said and done. And uh, at, at this point, uh, Bannon was sent packing back to Breitbart, which we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, Chelsea? Yes. Big surprise, mm-hmm. right? You figured he was going to be around for even beyond the Trump presidency, that he was going to be such an invaluable asset to whomever occupies the Oval Office? Right. <laughs> that's the I'm not clo- that's the talking clo- crap. So that's I'm the closest gonna... Chelsea's ever come to telling a joke on this show, by the way, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> it only took a year and two months. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So am I surprised? Yes. Is that... Uh, I was actually surprised at the timing only because Trump has made it a point to defend Bannon against allegations of racism. And so to dump Ban- uh, Bannon at the time that all these race issues were was going on kind of makes it look like, uh, Bannon, you're on the wrong side of this. You're making me look bad, even though you just denounced me for saying probably what you wanted me to say. All sorts yeah. of confusing stuff. But uh, I, my, the reaction to it, is what was interesting to me. There was a lot of people claiming victory, and uh, other people were like, this is not that big of a deal, not much changes. But what I was excited about was the fact that he's going back to Breitbart and that there was already some hate going on from the Breitbart to Trump direction yes. and that we were going to watch them tear each other down and I was going to get some popcorn, ideally caramel mm. popcorn, and enjoy the show. You mean popcorn with some kale flakes sprinkled on it. Caramel Absolutely. doesn't sound like it's something that you would actually... <laughs> and we will talk about uh, the way that uh, the Breitbart organization has uh, maybe shifted their tone ever so slightly in the last week. Uh, Drexel, when I-, I saw you comment about this on Facebook, you thought that Obviously, Steve Bannon was someone who needed to go, but you don't think it was nearly enough. No, because I think that obviously Steve Bannon was um, a figure that everybody loved to hate in the White House. However, he was not, in my opinion, the only mastermind of this administration's terrible policies. Um, you have Stephen Miller on one side. You have Jeff Sessions. They were there long before Steve Bannon came on the campaign. Um, and they're still in the White House, uh, which means there's still problems to the country. Um, to the Breitbart portion of it, though, I think that it's a mistake to think that Breitbart is going to go after Donald Trump. Breitbart will go after the people around Donald Trump so that Donald Trump gets has to make a decision on who to side with. And he's going to side with the with his fans um, who are Breitbart 
viewers and readers and stuff like that. So he can say, well, in my polling, in terms of my support, that's where that's the Breitbart group. And so he doesn't really need all the people around him, the H.R. McMaster, you know, the um, uh, eventually the Kellyanne Conways and stuff like that, who are probably telling him, no, you cannot do this. Um, what's really interesting is that they've been going, Breitbart has recently been going after his family members, Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump in the past couple of days. Um, so it is telling. Uh, the type of person Donald Trump is when his family's being attacked and he's not doing anything about it. So, so you're saying, you're pointing out that Breitbart <clears throat> is going after the Jewish members of Trump's family. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just meant like, yeah, you know, no, eventually, no, I, yeah. <laughs> but eventually I think, it's gonna, I think it's going to go down, it's going to go down the line and, you know, eventually, you know, if we saw some of the Charlottesville stuff last week, people were going after Jared for may- being married to Ivanka. And that is you know, that is a direct correlation to the things that Steve Bannon has been kind of touts and Breitbart kind of touts. But now it's seeping over into Ivanka and Ivanka's not saying anything. The family's not saying anything. But however, the president, who is a great defender of himself, um, not being a defender of his family is very weird to me. Uh, Scott, we'll get your thoughts on this in a second. But because we're talking about the way that Breitbart is now covering <clears throat> President Trump, there, uh, this morning, there were five articles on Breitbart.com about President Trump's new approach in Afghanistan. The first article said the speech was a disappointment to many who had supported his calls during the campaign to end expensive foreign intervention and nation building. So I'm going to say that's a negative. Article two, using many of the same vague promises that previous presidents had used, including a repeat of Obama's promise not to give a quote unquote blank check to Afghanistan and a pledge to finally get tough on Pakistan. It was a far cry from the America first foreign policy he laid out in the months before Election Day. That's two articles that are very critical of the approach in Afghanistan. Article 3, the others are shorter. This isn't about changing his perspective on the war. POTUS is a remarkably astute and stubborn individual. This was about the swamp getting to him. Article 4, I voted for Donald Trump because he promised change. I may have made a mistake, (laughs) which I think that there may be some other people echoing Mm -hmm. that. And finally, Article 5, in Donald Trump's old gambling houses, no player doubled down on a six- in Donald Trump's White House, the president looks to double down on his soft hand in Afghanistan. That's a bad bet. Don't you think you always double down on a six, don't you? Uh, but anyway, mm. the point is that I think when it's going to be an issue like this that Bannon very strongly disagrees with President Trump, you're going to see five, six, ten articles that have different bylines. But you could figure that all of those might as well say by Steve Bannon because mm-hmm. it's pretty much dictated. Here's, here's our take on this. This is what we have to call it. But to Drexel's point, it will definitely be – there was actually one that very specifically uh, singled out, uh, using air quotes for those just listening on iTunes, President McMaster. So, you know, basically the idea that Trump's not in charge, which of course is funny because the allegation was that he President was President Bannon. Bannon. Right. Mm-hmm. President Bannon had to resign, so pre- President uh, McMaster's in charge. Anyway, I just <laughs> wanted to sort of sum all that up. But Scott, so your thoughts about, uh, about Bannon, the leaving – and, of course, the way that uh, – can I use the word editorial? The editorial mm-hmm. tone of the way Breitbart News is going to handle President Trump. 
uh, one, uh, not surprised that Bannon left. It wasn't a matter of if he was leaving. It was going to be a matter of when. We really should have um, done wagering on we all We should have of what the dates were <laughs> yeah. going to be uh, over under. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, not surprised. I think, again, it was nice. one of those things Hell that they, yeah. they love to do anyways is do that kind of like Friday afternoon news dump. And they enjoy Which doing is funny that. because in a, in a 24-hour news right. cycle, the Friday afternoon doesn't actually work the way it used to. No, it doesn't. In fact, it's almost worse because now people are around and not working and can now have a chance to kind of catch up on everything. But anyways, it seems to be their their uh, operation to go ahead and dump breaking news on Fridays. Uh, so not surprised. Two, nothing is going to really change until Trump is gone. So it really doesn't matter because as long as Trump is still there, there's still going to be the chaos. There's still going to be the craziness. Um, there's still going to be that instability. So until he leaves, uh, he's still, like Drexel was saying, it's still surrounded by a lot of other people that need to go to. Um, and Swamp I'm still, animals. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still curious how long Kelly and Conway is going to stick around. That's the one Maybe I'm still shocked. Maybe that should be the next bet. I'm we still could, thinking, like, I keep thinking, uh, We'll think I, about it by the end of the show. That was yeah. the one I'm like, she's still there. I can't believe it. Um, uh, Lady Goth in the chat has a good question I want to get in before <clears> it, <throat> it scrolls away. Is Trump afraid of Bannon? Um, I don't know if he is, but he probably should be because of the people that he can definitely rally. Oh, you know? yeah. And, I, and, I, and to that point, I do think that, you know, as we've seen the tone kind of shift with Breitbart, it's definitely going to be a little bit more negative and a little more pointed towards Trump, at least towards the administration right now. And um, because they don't agree with um, anything else that, that he's doing in the international view, it's very nationalistic and they're going to be uh, holding him to the fire for that kind of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be more pointed. I totally agree with the last comment in the chat box. Private military is going to make millions, mm-hmm. although it's probably incorrect and it should say make billions. Billions, yep, absolutely. Uh, Maybe even trillions. Is, but uh, see, look at that. Is, Back-to-back quotes from Lady Goth. Thank yeah, you which uh, is, for uh, being there. A whole other issue uh, Portal, is upsetting. Portal Player says that President Trump is for rich people first, not America first. Oh, well, I mean, I think that that, I mean, look, it's a great observation. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that that's true. I don't. Right. I don't even know. That President Trump, maybe you'd have to be behind closed doors. I don't think he would dispute that because, right. you know, I think it's the idea of, yeah, we still kind of employ the idea of trickle down. You know, if everybody at the top does well, then everybody down at the bottom will reap the benefits. Or as uh, Bill Maher summarized trickle down economics a couple decades ago, they're literally saying that they're pissing on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> our Scott Brown. Bannon went back to the He-Man Jew Haters Club. That's a quote from R. Scott Brown. Read yeah. without comment, That's but thank funny. you, R. Scott Brown. <laughs> and no, we can't watch the... We're we, not watching the... We can't the, watch the rally the, during the, the show, Jason. No. Although... We'd be blinded by all the white hoods. Again, oh, yeah. jokes. <laughs> just their jokes. It's okay. But no, we can't because uh, we would be distracted. Thank you, Jimbo. Although uh, sorry. Although thank I'm, you, James. I'm reading that it just says... I'm reading from Politico. It says Trump seemed to be reveling in the crowd's love from the moment he entered, you know, clapping his hands as he made his way to the podium, which goes back to the fans' comment. Right. Like, this is not, first of all, Donald Trump's been in campaign mode since right. the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's not very presidential, obviously, in this kind of like, you know, you know, Barack Obama would kind of come out and kind of do his cool dad thing. Donald Trump's more like, these are my people, my fans, and I'm, you know, want to, I, they love me. Yeah, I mean, Trump is never as casual as Obama. I've yet to see him wear mom jeans. So if he does, <laughs> then you know he's notched it down a, a little bit. He wears bit. tape on his tie, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to say, don't we all, but none of us have no, a tie on. No, no. But you have a jacket on. You I always do. look sharp. He does. It's, From, it's intimidating to sit next mm-hmm. to you. Somebody said, I wish I could shop, shop where you I shop. wish I could shop where you do, too, because H&M, yeah, you're always sharp. Macy's. Mm-hmm. 
Macy's. I do shout out. Oh, look at that. It's a good thing you said Macy's. Yeah, the surprising thing, you know, look, here's the thing about the speech in, I don't know if it's actually in Phoenix, but the speech in Arizona. The laugh's going to be on Trump when they actually build the wall during the speech. But they build it on the other side of Trump, and now he's actually stuck on the wrong side of the wall. <laughs> so there was all this talk of all these ways they could get rid of him. No, just put him, just build the wall like he asks for, and you just build it on the other side of Phoenix, and then everybody wins. Anyway, I uh, wanted to move on, though, to uh, President Trump. He had the speech last night. He took to the airwaves to give a speech in prime time. It was his first, apparently. When I heard that reported, I'm like, really? That was his first one of those? Because I, I felt like there had been six. Uh, and ostensibly, the speech was about his Afghanistan strategy moving forward. But Trump being Trump, he couldn't let the opportunity pass without first addressing uh, Charlottesville. He tried to use the successful diversity of the armed forces as an example that, you know, the American unit, that can be an inspiration in the wake of Charlottesville. The diversity of the military, says the guy who just recently said that there are certain kind of people that should not mm -hmm. be allowed in the military. So, yes, the diversity of the military, that was struck. I think Bannon probably would have told him, like, no, that's not the thing. That, that's not the thing, <laughs> especially because it talks about mixing races, uh, fear. Uh, he also talked about Pakistan and uh, equating it to Afghanistan as both places that, quote, uh, safe havens that enable terrorists to threaten America. All right. Well, that's a, that's a decent one. Uh, but... Uh, Afghanistan, he basically told the American people what he thought should be done with this conflict, sort of in very broad terms, mm -hmm. without being very specific. But what we've started to hear in the, what, 24 hours since, is just how many troops it would be, which, as uh, our friends at Breitbart are quick to point out, uh, is not what he campaigned on. So the idea is that, uh, oh, uh, he went there to drain the swamp, but maybe he's drowning in this swamp of uh, sort of nation building and things like that. These are some of the some of the things that you might read this morning. So uh, I, I would like to uh, start with Scott because I went with you last last time. Uh, what do you think about President Trump getting out there and talking about an Afghan strategy, not giving specifics, mm -hmm. but just saying we have to be tough and we're going to have to do something? I mean, look, yeah, you're absolutely right. He had not only tweet, because there's a tweet for everything, going back to what Donald Trump uh, flip-flops on. And, of course, he was all about getting out of Afghanistan, which a majority of Americans actually do agree with. Um, we're going on 16 years now there. And uh, and it's not like the, the Taliban. I mean, everybody has told us that the Taliban's on the run. But according to something I read today, the insurgents control 60% of the country. Mm -hmm. Sure, that's... That's not a what a that's not a, a plurality. That's not like a, a major. It's not seventy five percent. Whatever. It's not three fourths. But that's a lot. That's mm -hmm. the, the, after sixteen years, you could maybe get it down to half. Less than half would be great. So yeah. So finish your. Well, thoughts, I, and that's what I'm saying is is the issue is we've had the previous presidents Obama and George W. Bush have the same issue, and increasing troops doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Um, now you know he apparently was against all this, but General McMaster, everyone else said, no, we've got to you know, increase troop numbers. Of course, they won't tell us exactly how many troops, because that's also Trump's thing, is we don't want to just let people know. Like, he claims Obama gave deadlines and, you know, gave the enemies, basically, um, advance notice of what we were doing. So he didn't, of course, specifically say how many more troops are going to go in. Um, but I, 
the problem is now he thinks that somehow he's going to be able to solve this uh, with more troops, and it's going to take more than that. And we know that Pakistan and Afghanistan, part of the, the reason why uh, the Taliban and people are there is because it's easy to hide out there. There are so many mountains. There are so many rural areas. It's very easy to um, disappear in those areas. And that's why it makes it a very difficult fight. But we've seen in the past, I mean, not even just with the U.S. being there, we've seen when the Soviets were there in the past. We've seen, you know, so many other places and, and countries have tried to go in there and take it over. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And doing something that we've already tried to do, sort of like the Cuban embargo, you know, like trying to do something that has not obviously worked over the past 16 years now isn't going to suddenly change by increasing troops. Right. So the interesting thing our our troops in harm's way again. The you made me think of something interesting which is, you know, obviously we heard an awful lot about uh, senators like John Kerry and Hillary Clinton who said that they were for the war in Iraq before they were against <laughs> it. Well, President Trump was against the war in Afghanistan before he was for it. So, you see it, it's all cyclical and uh <laughs> let's make sure somebody calls that to his attention, which uh, I'm sure no one will. Uh Chelsea, mm-hmm. what do you think about the United States involvement in <laughs> Afghanistan? I don't like it. Do you think it is that- not worth it? Mm-mm. It's not worth the cost. I mean, have you? I, I don't even know what the financial cost, is cost, cost in life, uh, both. both. No. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. a friend who's in the military who um, served there a year or two ago, and before he was deployed, he said, "You know, I don't mind dying for my country, but if I die there, it will be for nothing." Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that uh, I, I have friends in the military as well, and I think that some of the conflicts here in the 21st century, they, they have felt that, that, that exactly what you're saying. You know, you, mm-hmm. you realize that you could lose your life, but when it's for something that you don't even believe in, that maybe even the guy in the White House doesn't believe in, that's... Uh, it is just m- monstrous. Monstrous? Monstrously expensive. I just... I can't. Well, get here's out of the thing: mind, if it was monstrously, special. monstrously expensive, and a plurality, which I think was the word I was trying to use before, the majority of Americans felt like it was, you know, like World War II, very expensive. But wasn't that hard to convince people? Like, well, we got to spend this money. We're going to do this. I mean, and sure, it got us out of the depression, so that didn't hurt. But you know, the idea of spending a lot of money when it's something like this, and it's like, you know, I think since Vietnam, people are just like. What are we spending all the money We're for? We're spending money, the military. Then when these veterans come back, of course, yeah. we mm-hmm. don't have the infrastructure set up to take care of them very well. Not only that, but a lot of money is going to what somebody mentioned, these like uh, these paramilitary um, entities that are you know taking over. Yeah. It's like and private these private military. security firms and all these things that go in that there. That are just Big you know sucking us dry. Mm-hmm. And I think if Americans knew exactly how much it cost us every day, it's probably some disgusting number every day. Oh, for the it's, last- it's huge. And, and and part of the issue, too, for as Americans is, you know, like World War II, unlike World War II, excuse me, when everyone kind of sacrificed and we rationed things here and everyone was a part of it. Um, yeah, times were so tough. Women went to work. It's, That's <laughs> how crazy times were. It's, uh, it's out of mind now for the majority of us because we just live our lives day to day. We don't think about the sacrifice of like less than 1% of the population is in the military. And you think about how it's so out of mind for most day to day people that they're not realizing the daily sacrifices that these military families are making and being in this drawn-out quagmire that's going in the 16th year, which is just so wrong on so many levels, to put not only the human capital, and like you were saying, but the financial capital of our country on this 
day in and day out is 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 really really sad. I saw a video shot from Afghanistan where somebody said, you know, it used to be like the military took care of all of its own stuff, like let's say the laundry system, whatever they had. Now a private contractor is paid to sit there and check people in <clears throat> when they're going to do their laundry. I mean, the amount of waste would literally cause people to vomit. I think if especially these conservatives who claim that we don't have enough money for a lot of the things that we want to do. Look, I, I think, to your point, that this is the sort of thing that people were excited about, you know, the people who did vote for Donald Trump, that they felt like he was going to drain the swamp, as he said, was going to cut down on some of the government waste. And then this is a perfect example of something, whether, whether you think it's right or wrong, it's not what he said he was going to do. So he's going to alienate yet another segment yeah, of the, which, of the I wish, population. I wish we would see more about who's getting rich off of this. Mm -hmm. uh, we're getting war. some, we're getting, and I'll get your thoughts in a second, Trixel. We're getting some updates on uh, Trump's speech from our friend Jason Blair in the chat. Uh, Trump needs to have more rallies like he's having now and more press conferences where he fights with Jim Acosta. <laughs> he's entertaining in these things. And uh, as Shareable Texas points out, I don't want him to be entertaining. I want him to be sane. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, let's just... Don't, let, don't let, put, set the bar so yeah, high. Let's, right. Let's just go. Let's just settle for entertaining. And uh, Jason also pointed out that at one point of pandering during the rally, President Trump said that uh, he referred to his great friend Franklin Graham, who's such a great friend he mispronounced his last name. Anyway, uh, thank you, Jason, for uh, giving us some updates. Now, uh, Drexel, as uh, you hear us talking about President Trump's renewed approach in Afghanistan, what are some of your thoughts? Um, I think there's a couple of things that sometimes we don't we don't look at. Like, you know, we, we talk about things from our how we feel about war in general. And I think that there's two things that we learned about Donald Trump or that Donald Trump learned within this past year, which is he thought he was gonna be able to do something and then got the intelligence or whatever he got on the other side and it said there is a reason why we have to stay in Afghanistan. Obviously, right. we don't know mm -hmm. that piece of it, so I think that's something that people have to remember. Much like President right. Obama said on day one, he's going to exactly. close Guantanamo Bay. Right. Mm -hmm. And are, then you get the job, and you're like, oh, right. the, the, okay, I, we can't close the Guantanamo Bay. Right. And Apparently I know ever, it's. But. It, I mean, and that's more procedural sure. than it is something is happening over there. I mean, Donald Trump used the term vacuum. Like, there is something happening over there that if we pull out, something more catastrophic could happen. And I think that that's something for everybody to kind of keep in mind. Like, obviously, there are a lot of things that we are not privy to in terms of intelligence and that it's very frustrating for people who are probably watching and listening and like watching TV and be like, why do we have to do this? Um, but, you know, in my opinion, um, there are things that we just should not know. Well, couldn't we <clears throat> couldn't what, whatever this secret thing is that's going on, couldn't that be handled with intelligence? Do we need Do you mean intelligence <laughs> gathering like espionage or do you mean intelligence like not stupid because it's very important to make the distinction right now. I, I, I there's a difference there's a dis difference without a distinction there and I I hope that they're they can be one and the same or they can accompany each other. That would be grand. I don't I don't know what the boots on the ground is actually doing and then we're sending in so m many trucks and stuff. It's just uh, and actually, right. the stuff is actually then being used against us. Right, and, and we and dump an old truck. The enemy comes and gets it, fixes it up, and uses it against us. This, uh, you know, I haven't been there myself, but this is what the reports are that I'm seeing coming back from Afghanistan. Right, and I think that there is some, there is obviously truth in the idea of 
um, um, act smarter and, and, and do things smarter. And I think that, you know, at some point you've got the generals surrounding him who need to definitely look at this smarter and more efficient and um, hopefully uh, that's what General McMaster and and, uh, and the generals around him have done. You being in the military well, or no, military family, yes, yes, can yes, I yes. ask this question? Do generals generally like having missions that they're leading? I think, I think that the general feel that I've gotten from my friends uh, who are currently serving in the military is that they do want to be useful. They do appreciate being so on it's missions. A, it's a little bit like when you go, you know, I'm not saying that every surgeon does this, but when you go to a surgeon asking if you need surgery, many times, lots of times, they're, they're going to say to yes right. because they are surgeons. Right. Not think, everybody. I, 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 I know, but you know what? You can, you can make a little bit more of a blanket statement <clears throat> when it's when it's a dentist. Right. You know, and it's like, you know what you need to do is get your teeth whitened. No, my dentist like, keeps wanting me to get, yeah, yeah she keeps wanting me to get my wisdom teeth pulled on. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. So oh. when you ask a general, <laughs> general, should we be there? Should we be on the ground? Should we be involved? Is the general going to say, nah? Well, the general can't say nah, but I mean, I mean, you know, it goes back to a conversation that we had last week or a couple weeks ago, which is military officers can't really say no to anything. Right. They can't say to no to a direct order. Well, mm-hmm. but they can, the they can say that's not they, a good idea. They can say that, but that's behind closed Basically, doors. Basically, the happens, Secretary of yeah. Defense gets yeah. to be the one what to say, let's not do this. What happens after yeah. that it comes from the President of the United States. Like, he controls the, the President of the United States, is Commander-in-Chief, they control the military. I want to just go back to the speech, because that's what we were talking about, which there was a point where Scott talked about with the troop levels. The White House had released the troop levels before the speech happened. Right, right. And then, and then, and then Donald they, Trump was like, I'm not going to tell you how yeah, many yeah, troops. Yeah, yeah. You got 13, White House says 13,000 troops are being sent back over, and you're like, President Trump's like, I'm not going to tell you the right. levels. I'm not going to tell you when they're going to go out there. And, and then, we'll find out. Anyways, and then, course, and then today, but... the White House releases is going to be two days or two mm-hmm. weeks. So has he got two? Within the next two weeks, troops are going to be sent back over there. Um, so yeah, that, and, and you know, probably six people will get fired between now and then. Right, so right, by right. The time right. it happens, no one will even know. Right. Um, what was equally as interesting was how fast Paul Ryan in his town hall on CNN, um, yes, mm-hmm. um, jumped on this. Strategy of well, we don't want people. We don't want. I, mean, I I used to say to people, I don't really know, want to know what the president's strategy is. Or, like I don't really right. want to know. Like like we shouldn't know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And because once we know, then somebody else knows. Right. And in this twenty four hour news cycle of things, then it everybody gets out. Knows. Then everybody yeah. knows. So um, like I agree with that part of the strategy, but I don't think this administration is smart enough. They're not to execute that type of policy. That, that's um, that, that's sort of what I was trying to get at. Is that that's part of the problem I have with that is that they don't know how to execute that and keep that in that way. But kind of going back real quick to what you were saying, just about the troop levels and everything else, is that yes, I agree. There's things we don't know about, but the issue was we've had stuff that have gone on the past 16 years. We've had some you know presidents in the past do the similar thing, and all I'm saying is. Clearly, we can't just up and leave, and uh, that's part of the issue, and that's why we talked about a couple weeks ago with North Korea. We can't just go and invade somewhere because now we're going to be there for years and years and years to come. So we obviously we can't leave because there will be a vacuum, but how are we best uh, you know, strategically using our equipment and our men and women that have to be there and sacrifice and, and be on the ground, and are they going there for the best reasons? Right. And yes, we don't know, but that's the point is like are we just bringing them in because – of, of whatever they think, like going a little bit to Chelsea's point about that, you know, are we just, you know, bring them into um, 
try to fend off something or do we actually have a coherent strategy because we've seen that has not worked over the past right. 16 years when we've increased troops and i think the policy the the strategy in afghanistan used to be we need to help rebuild a country mm-hmm. basically we need to help rebuild a country that we kind of destroyed but they right. don't want it however right and the other side of that donald trump brought up in the speech was we're not into nation building so then the argument is well then tell us then why what, we're still why there. we're still there and exactly. so so when people kept talking about after the pundits you know i, I tweeted at van jones because sometimes it's like he says stuff on oh CNN, my god i'm like, no. talking about he's like yeah. I love Van Jones. I do but too, I but he gets he says crazy things. About? So when you know, at some point he said something. You know, all of, you know, not not last night, but you know, last speech President Trump had. He said, uh, you know, this is the this is this is the moment. This is the presidential moment. And I tweeted right before. This, oh I said, yeah, I said right. please do not. I, said, I tweeted all the networks. I said, please do not say yeah. this is the moment for President Trump right now, uh, because it's not. Because I think that you know what we've seen over the past few months is that every time of a a. White paper policy, come, like like not even white paper policy, because then that would mean that means that there's more to it than anything. But like a whiteboard policy that can be erased comes out from this White House. There's no substance to that, and that's what we saw from this Afghanistan mm-hmm. speech last night, which was it was a replica of the, the Obama um, uh, policy. An additional troop I think that's level. probably the most offensive thing you could say to Trump <laughs> is that it was. We should just right? Exactly. <laughs> Trump's right. foreign Trump policy right. is Obama, Obama 2.0. Well, if we all just sang that song, <laughs> he might pull his own hair out. Right. But at the same time, if we're sitting up here going, you know, and, and the pundits and, and everybody out there sitting there going, well, we didn't really get much out of that speech. Like there was no substance to that. It, no. it sounds good. It's really good red meat to everybody who's saying, we're going to go kill these people. They're right. losers. They're this, that, that. Like it sounds great to. to to Trump supporters, but in reality, the reality of the situation is is that it's not good policy. Right. And this administration does not have good policy. And I mean, to the point where we're, t- we're talking more about Donald Trump looking at the eclipse than we <laughs> and, and Steve Mnuchin's wife hopping off a plane mm-hmm. than we are about a, a non-existent Afghanistan. Hey, if there's policy. time, we are going to talk about uh, about <laughs> his wife. Uh, some interesting. Comments continue to roll in from our friend Jason Blair, who I know for a fact that uh, he does work for the federal government and uh, he, in the legal capacity. I'll just say that when they uh, ask you, "Hey, do you uh, can you help me, government? Can you do something for services for which uh, I will, of course, spend money?" You always say yes, but uh, specifically, he points out politicians like to say, "Quote: I'll give our generals what they tell me they need." But would a politician say, I'll give the Department of Commerce what they say they need? No, you just say that you're going to give them what they actually need, not what they say they need. Uh, But yeah, I mean, look, it goes back to the idea that government waste is certainly a problem. Especially in the military. Yeah, and and that is definitely something, uh, Jason also pointed this out in an earlier chat that I can't actually read right now, is that conservatives like to pretend that there's all this waste in the Mm -hmm. government. Oh, but not the military. The military no. doesn't do it, and so obviously it, it just it just goes to show you. We we spend more in, in our country in the military than the next nine countries right. combined, essentially. Yeah, and, but, and, and but the, to be fair, we're ten times better than all of those countries. <laughs> and, so and, and, it, it evens out. And the other problem with that, the other the other reality is this: is that conservatives like cool, like they like the, the next advanced piece of military mm-hmm, it's like equipment. a new toy it's like the next gun mm-hmm. they like the next gun that's going to come out they like AK47s when you don't really need them to shoot in your backyard like they like <laughs> these big they like to feel manly yeah. when you need to act stealthily 
and you need to act smarter and you don't need you know these jets that come around you do need more sleeker smaller efficient submarines you do need sleeker ships like we do need that and um, ones that don't you know, crash into each other right right we need and you know and Barack Obama talked about this during the debate with Mitt Romney right. you need a smaller military that's more efficient right. to do its job and you don't bigger, need a bigger military that you have to now stuff. expand to expand the stuff right. I mean it's just I, like how you mm-hmm. need a smaller government to be more right. efficient and and you can expand, <laughs> that's, funny. that's funny and you can and you can attribute I mean you can parallel that to the Secret Service this weekend right. the more you have to expand your team out the less the more convoluted it gets to actually protect people and the military right now in Afghanistan in Iraq they're not protecting anybody right now um, and certainly not the American people no and because they have so much stuff coming back to Chelsea's point they can just leave trucks on the side of the road that they're not going to bother fixing because they'll just have the fancy, you know, brand new truck that's working. Uh, Shareable Texas uh, pointed out to uh, your earlier comment that uh, President Trump doesn't have any hair to pull out. What <laughs> we were referring to is whatever that thing is that lives yeah. on top of his head. <laughs> yes. He can pull that out. Uh, and uh, also, apparently, Shareable Texas named a Pokemon Bannon, and two weeks later it was removed from the game. Mm. He may be under surveillance. Mm. No, don't worry about it, Shareable <laughs> Texas. No one is watching it, which that joke won't play yeah. well. And, and on, no, Jason, uh, I, I, I don't don't know a lot about guns because I don't need them and I don't no. have to shoot them. So I try not to know no, enough about Drexel, them. Right. Drexel has people who shoot people exactly. for, for although, him. Although yeah. I, do, I do can shoot a, I, can, I, I do go to the, to the gun range and I do shoot a Glock. That's about it. The, but gun, the gun not, range in Burbank? The gun range in Burbank. I, I drove do. that all the time. I and do I'm like, go there. Uh, that um, might be, that I might do. be fun to shoot a gun right, at, right, right. At, you know, at a piece of paper. And by go there, I mean I've been there one time. <laughs> <laughs> at least you, you owned up to that. Uh, before we run out of time, I kind of want to reference back to uh, some comments from Paul Ryan yesterday. You know, he did that town hall. And, you know, he made it clear up to a point that basically he's gone as far as he's willing to with President Trump in Charlottesville. You know, he, he gave some very vague, I think it was a 500 word Facebook comment where, you know, he was like, hey, you know, we're in favor of equality and we don't like racists. And I think that everybody should say that. But he won't stand up to President mm-hmm. Trump because, I mean, I don't know, look at him. You know, who's he going to stand up to? You know, it, it, he's from Wisconsin, and you feel like if somebody got in his face and and said Packers suck, he'd be like, "Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, the Bears are going to have a good season," <laughs> which would show he's crazy. Yeah, especially but, if it's going to have a vote for him. You know, he's not yeah, he's not going to do. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, I think it sort of begs the question. And as we've gone on over these seven months, and yeah, it's only been seven months, pretty mm. much to the day, it's only been seven months. Uh, at what yeah. point are the Paul Ryans, the Mitch McConnells, and you know some of the the higher ups? You know, people who let's be honest aren't that far down on the uh, chain of succession. Uh, you know, at some point, if everybody like someone on this panel thinks everybody might get thrown in jail, you know, Paul Ryan is what third, right? And he so if if you got to get rid of uh, Trump and Pence, well then Paul Ryan's president. So you see. Where are these people, and what does it take for them to be like, you know, so these, this sort of racial unrest and mishandling it, that's not enough. Donors uh, turn on them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I... And I, the base, the, that base that's still so uh, wrapped towards Trump. As I soon think as that breaks, donors over tr- over the base, right? But I also think that because of the voters that are going to go out, whatever the Koch brothers and the rest mm-hmm. of the big donors. Want. Oh, and the Mercers, don't forget the Mercers. Yes. But I, and the and I the base. Shan't. 
I yes. and that's and, and, and just, to, just to double back on the Mercers real quick because I think I don't think people realize that the Mercers are huge donors to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. They're huge donors to Breitbart. So the idea that Breitbart and Donald Trump again yeah, they did so that Breitbart and Donald Trump are going to go after each other. Bizarre. Y'all got to get that out they're of your minds right now. It's yeah, not going to happen because they're owned by the. I mean, they're basically owned by the same <laughs> people. Yeah. Which, by the way, I wanted to uh, say this earlier, and I want to get it in before I get out of time. Before we all run out of time, but is ooh. whenever we talk about. Uh, Breitbart, and I haven't mentioned it in a while, so I'll mention it for new viewers. Uh, it always hurts me to talk about Breitbart, the organization, because Andrew Breitbart, the man, was a very good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that uh, today's my eighth wedding anniversary, Happy and Andrew, anniversary. thank you very much, Andrew was at my wedding, and uh, it was a it was a very uh, very happy memory. He and his wife Susie, who are adorable, and you know, look, there are a lot of things that people can be critical about Andrew for. And no one knows where if he'd lived five plus years longer, where he'd stand. Maybe the website would be the same way. It's hard to imagine. I just sort of hate the way that his name has become, oh, you know, Breitbart. And uh, so I just want to stand up for my friend. I'm not standing up for the website. And uh, that, uh, you know, but... A lot of the people he hired don't work there anymore, so you right. can draw from whatever. And I have friends that work there that yeah. had worked there, and it's the same thing. Uh, yeah, uh, people that, that I know very well thing. no longer yeah. work there and yeah. haven't since Steve Bannon was in charge. Yeah, it's actually. not even the same thing so, as what it used to be, and they yeah. will say that too. I so. like Jason Blair's comment that the Drudge Report yeah. uh, said today that McConnell is looking at an 18% yes. approval yeah, rating. Right. Maybe Allison, uh, well, Allison Grimes, she should try it again. Who will be on our show this season? Yeah, that's she very exciting. I love her. Listen to that. She will. Yes, she I love her, and I hope she does run again. Dropping the plugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but however, I, I will say this: I, I, I'd be interested to know what that eighteen percent means. It goes back to what you said. Mm-hmm. When is when is Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan going to stand up to uh, Donald Trump? Is it the 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 approval ratings are low because he's not? Standing up for Kentucky because we all know that Kentucky benefits. Kentucky is a huge benef- beneficiary of the Affordable Care right. Act. Um, you know, Kentuckians have a, uh, a Democratic Secretary of State, Nelson Lundgren. Yeah. Rice. Like they, they are kind of that. I, I, I'd kind like of, to know what's Rand Paul's approval at, and I know they're very different politicians, but I mean they're both senators they're, from Kentucky. Right. Yeah, they're so it, you know, I feel like they like him a lot more. Right, but he's but he's more. You know, conservative, not in the Donald Trump way, but more conservative when it comes to like their economic, like how they think. You mean like an actual conservative, right? Yeah, but but the same thing can say be said for Paul Ryan because I don't know what his race is like for with Randy Bryce right now, um, who is like super po- like he's kind of a popular Democrat running. He's like homegrown, like oil man doing his thing. Yeah, but so- I do think people underestimate. The blueness of Wisconsin, uh, as uh, <clears throat> you know, Secretary Clinton also did. But uh, how many times did they try to recall and unelect Scott Walker? And every time he he stayed there. And the so, state legislature is Republican. But uh, that's why next year is going to be very interesting because of the fact that there will be more people that are going to go out and and uh, vote in that election, especially in Wisconsin, because there is a gubernatorial race there, and so it'll you know. Who's going to be going out to vote? Um, yes, the approval ratings are low, but I don't read much into it because right. it's, it's almost like a rubber. Matter. It's a rubber stamp, right. and for the most part, when you're an incumbent and you have an R next to your name, especially in Kentucky, and you have the clout like Mitch McConnell has, people end up voting for right. them even though they don't like them. And the crazy thing is, to, to Jason Blair's point, he said, "I think the approval ratings are low because they haven't repealed Obamacare and passed tax cuts, which are two things that do not benefit the state of Kentucky." Mm-hmm. So that 
to me, I'm like, well, the, I, I don't know what to say about Kentuckians. If, if they're worried about Obama, if they're worried about tax cuts that don't benefit them and, and, and Affordable Care Act being repealed, that will hurt them. But you know that for the longest time, when Steve Bashir was governor, the de- last dem- governor who was a Democrat, had to call Obamacare Connect, KY. Well, yeah, you know, Connect, because, Connect, right. And people thought it was actually separate from Obamacare, even right. though it was the same thing. Right. So I think there's still a lot of people that hate it in name, but don't realize that they're getting those benefits from it. And, and, and that's can, part of the, the problem with right. a lot of the voters. Although I will say to your point about Mitch McConnell, he has been saying some comments, they're dropping little comments lately that have been like, Mitch McConnell. I know. What are you saying? And in your yeah. Times article, it says right. he doesn't think Trump's presidency like, like is going to come right. back. Very clearly, yeah. you know, we've seen that the Democrats are going to be a united front and they're just not going to vote for anything that helps President Trump. At some point, you wonder how sizable the group of Republicans are that are going to do the same thing. And if it's just like, you know what, they're waiting out the clock. Well, now we're going to wait out the clock and see, you know, because this is hurting us. So let's just be... You know, they get accused of being a do-nothing Congress anyway. Congress's approval rating, you know, term in, term out, it, it, I don't know, it was like under 20. I mean, right. I think that Mitch McConnell, 18 percent. I'm pretty it's sure I heard on. an 11 percent for Congress last year. Or yeah, maybe 9 percent at Non-election point, year, but I do but. remember hearing that. So, you know, I think that at some point they're just like, you know what, people in our districts are going to vote to reelect us for the simple reason they remember our name. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I voted for that guy last time. It's, and that's kind of all it takes, it's, really. It's really, it's once the base goes, then the donors go, and from there is and, when they'll actually grow some spines and they'll actually You, you heard uh, it here first. Up, Scott we'll Moore says it's all about that base. <laughs> it is. And, 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 and <laughs> it really is. And obviously Jason Blair does not quite understand how healthcare works in, in, in America. So to say something like healthcare choices don't benefit people, healthcare choices do benefit people when A, they can afford it, and B, when a majority of the country... Um, Participates. Uh, participates in the system that it was designed uh, uh, in the way that it was designed. So, um, and, and you can thank the Republican governors for that, um, which but, is but which is hurting their their own well, states. But he's right about the full fact that the GOP never came yes. up with an alternative for right. health care because they assumed Hillary Clinton was going to win, yeah. and that's why they, it was easier to be symbolically to vote for its repeal and not actually come up with something legit. And also, as I've said before, they will never have anything better than Obamacare because it was based on a conservative right. uh, health care plan to be able to cut taxes and Medicaid, but yet it cover more people and still make it affordable. You can't right. do both. And the so last word happened. will come from Jason Blair in the chat, who was all over the <laughs> chat tonight. Thank you, Jason. I guess that means the triplets went to bed early. But uh, he pointed out, and we'll wrap up in a minute, but he pointed out that the everyone, everybody in the Republican Party expected President Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. like a lot of people at this desk maybe did too, but everybody in the GOP expected that, and that's what they were prepared for, and when they didn't get that, it really just exposed how full of bullshit they mm-hmm. all are, because they're just like, well, we got nothing now, because we didn't expect to get our guy, especially not this guy in here. We were all going to be anti-everything, and now uh, we want to be anti, but it's our party. So it's a mess. <laughs> it's all a sham. And you know what we call that? Politics. Anyway, mm-hmm. thank you to everyone for a spirited conversation in the chat. Thank you to Scott Moore at Sman80, Chelsea Galicia at Chelsea Galicia, Drexel Hurd at Drexel Hurd. I'm Christian Blatt at Christian DMZ. Don't forget the show is at Trump Report ABTV. And I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. Happy eighth anniversary to my wife Heather, who's putting our son to bed, so she's not watching, but she'll see it later. And we'll be back live next Tuesday, August 29th, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you all then. Thanks, everyone. 
from executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.